Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Rahul Jalali. Rahul is the Chief Information Officer of Union Pacific, a $22 billion revenue, 160-year-old railroad that connects 23 states in the western two-thirds of the United States by rail, providing a critical link in the global supply chain. Rahul has an expansive purview as CIO, encompassing both traditional IT, as well as leadership roles in a software business and a commercial telecom business under the auspices of Union Pacific. His team is driving both transformation and innovation, and I look forward to speaking with him about all the above and more. Rahul, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Uh, Peter, it's been fantastic uh, to be part of this podcast. Oh, it's a, it's a great pleasure. Well, you are, uh, Rahul, the Chief Information Officer of Union Pacific, a storied company, uh, to say the least. And I wonder if you, for those who may be a little less familiar with it, if you could take a moment to talk a bit about that story um, as to the background of Union Pacific and its business. Absolutely. So, Peter, uh, I love talking about UP, a historic company, and uh, I would say about 160-year-old company. There's not that many companies, Peter, that are around that were actually started by President Abraham Lincoln. So if there are any Lincoln fans out here, uh, come work for Union Pacific and you'll be part of history here. He signed uh, the Pacific Railway Act uh, back in 1862. He saw commerce as a great uh, you know, way to kind of integrate the whole country as we're going through the whole Civil War uh, strife. And uh, he came to Omaha and wanted to start this whole commerce uh, journey. Uh, what's really called the Great Race. And with that historic stroke of a pen, really set the stage for setting up this Union Pacific company. And then, uh, you know, the whole railroad network and, and transcontinental that was set up was really uh, opened uh, as part of that uh, to the American West, to the settlers, uh, to unite really a continent. Uh, Union Pacific, uh, Peter, is a key cogged in the entire supply chain, which is in so much talk these days, you kind of see the supply chain issues and disruptions. Uh, we are an essential piece of that supply chain, reconnecting the, the customers, the communities, the global economy, the stuff that comes into the LA ports, we take it all the way uh, inland. You can, you know, a lot of the commerce happens uh, to, to kind of create an efficient, reliable supply chain solution. And it could be raw goods, finished products, uh, cars, uh, automobile. I mean, think about lumber. Big, heavy stuff is good for rail. Um, and uh, we are among the most cost-effective transportation systems and among the best in the world um, because of the billions of dollars also we put into curating the network. Rails in general are, are very good for economy in terms of uh, infrastructure. We put in about $25 billion annually. Uh, into the uh, into the infrastructure and equipment, and Union Pacific in general, uh, in this last year, uh, put in about three point three billion dollars um, back in there. So, so not only generating um, you know value for the customers, but also investing back into the the infrastructure that creates jobs, etc. Uh, UP and rails in general, very environmentally responsible method to move the freight. Uh, we compared to kind of trucks, uh, um, uh, you know, anecdotally, we're, our emissions uh, can be less by about 75%. So you can imagine the number of trucks we could take off if you actually have one uh, train running. So uh, really, really cool concept and uh, a very storied company. And uh, if you are history buff, come work for UP. <laughs> well, thank you so much for that context. What a fascinating history it is, Rahul. Um, and Absolutely. let's talk a bit about your role, if we, if uh, you don't mind. You, since uh, late 2020, 
have been the chief information officer of the company. Uh, talk a bit about the context of CIO in a role like uh, in a company like yours. What 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 does uh, what what's within your purview, please? Yeah, so uh, uh, Peter, I've got uh, three components to the job, really. So one is overarching technology. So, so you, you know, we have about thirty-two thousand uh, miles of of track. So you can imagine all the infrastructure that's required to run that, uh, all of our terminals, uh, all of our rail network, all the customers. So 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 everything that would be related to technology falls within the purview of this role. So that includes all of the, the product, the engineering the infrastructure, the platforms, uh, the CISO reports into me. So, so, so that's the first component of it. Second uh, is rail uh, and UPN uh, in particular um, actually has a wholly owned subsidiary called PS Technology that we run out of Denver, um, which monetizes part of UP's IP and we make it available to the general good of um, the industry uh, and we monetize some of it. But they also, majority of the products that they build are for the general good of the, the, the rail industry. So, so that's second part of the component. I'm chair of that board uh, for, for PS technology. And then the third component really is around, uh, Peter, is around uh, commercial telecom. So this you may not know that rails in general are big into the telecom. So think about from 1860 days, telegraph poles going on the side of the rail because you had to always communicate with the rails. So rails have played a huge part in, um, in the telecom network. Uh, we have our own microwave network. Um, we run fiber along our rail um, that, that we, we, we monetize. So, so a lot of the fiber that goes from for example, from San Francisco to LA is all along, uh, all along our right of way. Um, so, so huge players in there. Just from a history perspective, now that we're talking about historical perspective, of some of the big telecom companies were born out of you know rail networks. So think Sprint that got acquired by T-Mobile. Sprint's actually an acronym. It stands for Southern Pacific Railroad Internal Network Telephony. So Southern Pacific is part of Union Pacific. So, so it was almost a spinoff uh, from Southern Pacific, which became part of UP. So, so people don't associate, but uh, rails have played a huge role in that uh, telecom. So that function also uh, falls within my job. Fascinating indeed, uh, Rahul, to hear more about your your expansive purview, one that has, uh, you know, to oversimplify what you've just stated, the sort of traditional aspects of IT, but but many non-traditional aspects of technology as well, including identifying ways in which the organization can monetize the good work of technology and thinking creatively about some of the unique attributes that you have uh, that can become productized, that can uh, become sources of value uh, to the company first and foremost, but but to to an unusual set of customers as well. And I wonder, talk a little bit if you would, as it's a it is a different a different orientation, I would say, than than many of your uh, your peers as chief information officers in various industries. Talk a little bit about that internal operational aspect of of what you do, and as well as balancing against that these external opportunities that you continue to participate in and mine and and help create on behalf of the company as well. Um, and I'd also be curious about the people aspect of it as to how you think about the staffing uh, in the various parts of the, the organization that you have a hand in leading. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, Peter. So, so I came to UP about eighteen months back, and I came out of um, retail. So, consumer retail, consumer finance is is my background and in my blood, right? So, so thinking about that customer customer obsession, you come into a hundred and sixty year old company um, that's doing extremely well, but now the the vector is towards growth. There's not that many hundred and sixty year old companies that would say we're a growth hundred and sixty year old company. So. So really, uh, the the role that I was brought into was really to start looking at having technology play the key part as the, the enabler for that growth. Um, how do we now super optimize everything, use the analytics and data, and we can talk about it in detail um, in the subsequent uh, sections, but how do we actually change um, um, you know, uh, the way we work, um, how do you deploy a better digital experience across the board? Uh, how do we establish a high-performance culture amongst the people? How do we actually do it within the purview of diversity, equity, and inclusion? Uh, so, so those are the, the primary reasons that I was brought in for. And it's been a joy 18 months, uh, to say the least, as we kind of put our uh, strategic priorities together. We put a three-year uh, strategy centered really on four pillars which is around people, process, technology, and in today's day and age, security, cybersecurity. Um, so, so that's where the UP is headed. Uh, we focused on our um, you know, total employee experience, customer experience, really shifting the, the mindset from this project-oriented. So a lot of the legacy companies fall into that purview of project-oriented to product. Um, that's our play right now. Um, we are a fantastic uh, platform company, but I just see that we are actually just scratching the surface. So give you some some stats. We do about 5.7 billion uh, API calls a day. It's not that many companies that can claim to be that high level of um, intrinsic API uh, platform companies. Um, but I see that as we're just scratching the surface. Um, so, so we're trying to get to a plug and play uh, platforms architecture, uh, connect seamlessly with the supply chain partners, creating these deep APIs now with the customers, two-way APIs. They they need to come into uh, to, to UP to get all their data, and we need to be able to get into their systems to understand uh, that. Uh, and we're modernizing, leveraging, really, via the cloud, um, which is not very prevalent within UP about 18 months back. Now, we're, we're heavy, getting into heavy into the cloud, improving, really, the speed to market, uh, et cetera. And... And one of the ways that we're doing that is really changing the way we work. Um, um, one takeaway from working in the retail, uh, Peter, was uh, this two-in-a-box concept uh, with the customers. So, so with my with my internal uh, business partners, as well as with the external entities, we embedded a lot of our UX people with the external uh, partners. And we also embedded um, our internal people. We kind of streamlined one throat to choke kind of concept uh, for my internal uh, business customers. So we've really changed that, the way we work, maximize the success. And what it's producing is really uh, a maturity in delivery. The cycle times are going down. The ask to actually delivery is significantly gone down um, as a result. We're deploying better digital experience because now we're able to think from a product standpoint. And in order to do that, you know, ask the question about the whole people aspect. Companies 
my philosophy is it all starts with people, ends with people. There is a business model in between, right? We are a company where I could tell you conclusively, hashtag, our people are the difference. And when you get a new job like this, Peter, you don't know really what you're walking into. Uh, the, the interview process tells you some stuff, but uh, you find out once you're part of it. And what I really found out after I joined uh, Pacific was really around that, that, that this is truly a company uh, that values people. Uh, we've got brilliant minds here. You cannot build platforms the size that I mentioned here without that. But then there is this divine discontent about change uh, that we see uh, via the lens of technology as that enabler uh, to continue to grow uh, for the future. So I'm very excited uh, with uh, where Unipacific's headed uh, with this change journey. Great overview there. I really appreciate it, Rahul. And a couple of threads I'd like to pull on that you that you noted there. Number one, you your most recent set of experiences prior to your 18 months at Union Pacific was a nearly a quarter of a century at Walmart, a very prominent retailer to say the least. And so having spent and been immersed in um, in a, a B2C organization and now coming to a B2B organization, I wonder what advantages you have found in thinking a bit differently. You are not of the industry. You think um, your relationship with customer outcomes and customer experience, I would imagine was, was a bit different than perhaps uh, the, the incumbent leaders and members of your team that you were joining. Um, talk a bit about how you've thought about drawing some of the magic from great B2C experience into digital experiences from a B2B perspective, obviously within the context of UP? Yeah, that's a fabulous question. Probably take the rest of the, the media, but I'll <laughs> try to be concise here. In B2C world, uh, it's a very simple phenomenon. You stay at the speed of the customer, or if you're cutting edge uh, companies, um, like you know, a few of them, Apple, et cetera, you think ahead for the customer and lead the customer to that. Uh, but but in Walmart, we just tried to stay there um, um, at the speed of the customer. So that meant you had to be in touch with the customer constantly. It was not one and done. You had to constantly, and then you had to have bias for action to actually come back uh, and do something about what you just heard, right? Uh, you know, 60% of the, the folk, uh, folks that, that shopped at Walmart, for example, were women, busy moms. And, and the job was to get them out of there um, as, as quickly uh, as possible. The second thing that we learned as we went through the transformation is most organizations, Peter, are set up by you know, operations team, a sales team, a finance team. So it's very vertically organized. And then, you know, the stuff that goes over the walls, right, in terms of data, et cetera. But when you're trying to get a busy mom out of the store in four minutes, when she shows up at the back of the store to pick up an online grocery, turns the entire organization on its head, doesn't it? That's because the data needs to flow. Um, all the departments need to get their act together so that she's out of that store. So, so with that in background in mind, the principles are not different for B2B. The B2B customer, uh, in fact, is was started telling us, hey, I've got this eight to five life and then a five to eight life, and it seems different, right? So so why did why can't you guys think like any other company that's in this business. So we actually listened for about the first 90 days, clearly what the issues are. So we formulated the strategy. Um, but then we said, all right, let's get the real feedback. So we took our UX team and we embedded them with these B2B customers. We said, we want to take a look at us from your view. 
tell us how we look uh, from from that point of view. And let me tell you, uh, you know, when you, when you eat what you cook and it doesn't taste good, you come and do something about it. And that's the feedback that we start getting, right? Uh, from our own people, it wasn't good. There's too many clicks. It's too many calls, you know, uh, we get passed around, etc. And once you have that, you have a bias for action and you start taking incremental steps to, to fix that. So principally, I would say the, the retail concepts actually apply pretty much everywhere. The second thing that happened is I talked about, we started changing the, the way we work, uh, the, the relationship with the customers, both internal and external, open, transparent. Most of the times, IT organizations are black boxes, right? So you don't know how it goes. Was it a good time frame? Did I pay? Did I get my money's worth for it? And we said, we're going to open up this Pandora's box in the most transparent way here at Union Pacific. And let me tell you, uh, and that was something that we used to do very, very well um, at, uh, at the prior job. And, and those principles worked absolutely beautiful. I would say uh, my peers on a every 90-day basis know exactly what we're doing for them, what we did, what are we going to do, and how does it link to their strategic, um, you know, uh, three to five-year uh, kind of a roadmap? So when that happens, it starts building that critical, not only the relationships, but trust. Here's the funny thing. When you have trust and relationships, you can take the accountability to the NF level on either side. And, and we're beginning to kind of see the fruits of that, uh, where, you know, now more of the work's happening towards the ROI-driven projects. Uh, there's less and less work that's aimed at keeping the lights on. Uh, there's like this self-awareness within the organization that probably should stop that because we've been doing it for X period of time. Uh, or maybe we should shift ourselves to this entire growth engine. The customers, which is internal customers, uh, kind of see that, hey, there's something wrong with this ID. They're faster. Uh, and that's a good place to be for us, for a CIO uh, here. And then the external customers, which is ultimately where rubber meets the road, right? If we can make an impact in running safe, reliable, consistent a railroad, uh, they know where their stuff is. Uh, we can give incredible amount of visibility and transparency into it. Again, concepts of retail that absolutely works in B2B. So I see total, um, you know, it doesn't have to be different than, than my prior job. That's a great overview. I appreciate you uh, you sharing some perspectives on that. I also want to return to a, a fascinating concept that you mentioned in brief uh, and have you uh, share a bit more about this concept of becoming a platform company. Um, you know, I think, you know, we, especially in the digital age, there are a lot of uh, key digital native organizations that have become platforms that that are the major builders of technology and, and ones that, you know, we are synonymous with it and the technology revolution that we all use on a daily basis. Um, the, the translation of that into an 160-year-old organ, organization uh, might be a bit more esoteric for some, some of our, uh, our listeners today. Talk a bit about your vision there and the ways in which you would bring that about. I, I think it's a fascinating concept. Yeah, so uh, to run a railroad, the railroad is a little bit still a mystery to, to, to folks here, especially in States uh, compared to Europe. Uh, but everybody does airlines, so so I'll, I'll try to draw a parallel to airline, but it's not very different. So so we have terminals, you have, you have, you have terminals and airlines that you take flights from. You have customers, uh, you have the airplanes, we have rails, uh, you have the cargo, we have cargo. So so you know you know how the whole thing works. You go to a terminal, you 
you go through the check-in process, you get on a flight, you get somewhere, you go to Chicago, you change flights, and you get your luggage at the destination and you're out there. Basically, railroads work the exact same way. So, so, so to me, this conversion to whole platform team. So, and then there is air traffic control, and we have our own air traffic control, right? So these were all we invested in heavily in uh, developing, you know, a transportation management platform, the equivalent of a air traffic control platform. But sometimes these platforms become again those vertical silos. Data is, you know, going backward, forward, bridges, etc. Uh, what we, my vision is that. We connect the five elements uh, together for that form the railroad, right? So you got the locomotives, the crew and the people that run it, the liner road, um, the customers, et cetera. And you connect it all together. In some cases, we've bought the solutions. For example, we have Salesforce uh, that we use for, for running our customer uh, CRM, right? We've developed all these internal uh, platforms. We're now in the process of connecting it all together so that uh, the output is a far efficient, tech-enabled, data-enabled, analytics-driven railroad that runs much more efficient and, and reliable. So, so we're far from it. The good news is the, the components of this platform are together and there. Uh, we need to all put it together and have a vision for uh, what what technology can do uh, in that realm. So, so people, be on to watch out. Let's talk again in 18 months or so, and I'll be able to give you a very good view of how far along we have come in, in developing this vision for platform. But the ultimate goal of that is to create a total experience for our customers. Because you can talk about platforms and all that stuff. So what? So what is customer experience? It really needs to be easy, nimble. Uh, at the end of the day, the customers want to know what. They want to know, um, hey, I got stuff to carry. Uh, and can you get it in a, um, you know, in a timely manner? If there's exception to that process, uh, are you exceptional at exception management? And, and give me the visibility around it. That's what platforms should at the end of the day enable. Uh, for our customers. And that's that's how we're looking at it. That's what we are striving for. Great overview. Again, let, let's dive a little bit further. Uh, people naturally have come up a couple of different places in our conversation already. And I want to talk a little bit further because I know from our past conversations, Rahul, you've got some really interesting perspectives as a company based in Omaha, uh, um, uh, Nebraska, that, that has actually found uh, great pipelines for talent and great means of attracting that talent, uh, despite not necessarily being in the first place one thinks about in terms of tech hubs, uh, among other places that you operate. You mentioned your Denver operation, for instance. Um, I, I know you've got uh, operations in other places as well. But talk a bit about some of your own philosophy in, in terms of attract, attracting great talent to bring to life these very futuristic uh, you know, di digital plans that you have uh, afoot. Uh, talk a bit about your, your methods, if you would. Yeah, so uh, I've got I've got a very simple philosophy on why people want, would want to come work for UP or any other company, right? They want to know whether we've got interesting problems to solve, Peter. Uh, people gravitate towards solving tough problems, right? Um, really good talent wants to do that. Um, they want to know that uh, when they get here, that we operate with the principles of inclusion. 
that that they will be heard. Uh, you know, their ideas won't be discounted, even if they may have different ideas. And third, you know, people want to be paid a uh, a fair penny uh, for the job they do. So, so, so to me, uh, we're trying to create a culture in which we're, we're acting on those three things. Now, from principles perspective, so let's get into it. Uh, creating the purpose. Uh, so, so when we developed this uh, three-year technology strategy. Um, I could see an instant change in organizations' behavior and buy-in uh, because they were like, man, there's a vision and we're connecting the dots as to how and where this Union Pacific company is going to go. And I want to be now part of this uh, purpose-driven organization. And I could see now, initially it started with really like, is this for true? How long is this going to last? Uh, well, he's not going away. So it's, it's beginning to stick. Um, and we were going in with the same message, set of KPIs, unveiling this change at regular intervals so the organization can digest. We're not a startup company here, uh, but getting into that startup mindset requires a series of changes that the organization can digest. So creating that purpose, um, really setting the vision, connecting the dots. Uh, second principle around consciously caring about people. I'm an operating CIO. I get into the details. I love KPIs or KPIs for everything, but you consciously care and dive into the data and you look at like attrition. Why are people, what are they telling you from um, uh, surveys? And uh, love to have this concept called visibly exude caring, compassion, and concern for employees. Um, uh, you know, uh, so that's that. And then uh, uh, practice. Uh, relaxed intensity. Uh, so, so you need to be intense, but you got to be also, uh, you know, the ordinary Joe out there that that somebody can have a beer with uh, after work. Don't don't wear your uh, titles on your shoulders, uh, and you know, shun people away. So, so, so really practice these concepts of relaxed intensity. You do all those things, and and people kind of gravitate towards that. People tell their friends uh, about that. Uh, we had a lady. Um, uh, that just joined us and she told five of the friends about it. And, you know, suddenly the five of the friends are interested uh, in uh, in Omaha that normally would not have been interested. So, so it kind of, we want it to be a viral movement like that. So it's been, it's been fun. What a fascinating story. I appreciate you providing that overview. And I know as part of this as well, from our recent conversation, you and I had that you rebranded IT as well, you talk about how words really matter, and you wanted to make sure that you, as you, as you contemplated the future of the organization, you did so with a, a new brand in mind. Talk a bit about, uh, I'll have you reveal it, but also uh, have you talk about the philosophy behind it as importantly. Yeah, so, uh, you know, IT uh, is information technology, and uh, what do you do with information? Um, not much. Uh, and, and in the past, really, uh, IT organizations have been either these, like, you know, black boxes, lack of better words. These, in most organizations, they get clubbed into admin departments. But that's not how modern companies should think about IT. Um, it's really the strategic advantage. Um, we, we need to elevate IT to the same levels and as an operations or, or part and sales or finance organizations. Because these are strategic, I see a clear path for us being a differentiator for having a tech-enabled company. So, so how can we be 
um, admin. And at UP, IT was not any different, right? So, so we said, all right, so if there's a bad connotation with it, change the name. Uh, so we changed the name and simply called call ourselves tech. So the tech team. And uh, believe it or not, I have a IT swear jar outside. So anybody that says IT has to put 10 bucks in it. We, we, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I like that. I, IT has uh, become a four-letter word. <laughs> it is a four-letter word. Uh, and uh, we are very, uh, very well supported by our uh, CEO, Lance Fritz. Amazing visionary guy. And um, he gets it. He understands the, the the strategic importance of it. Our board gets it. They understand the strategic importance of that. This is not an admin department. This is actually a uh, ways to that uh, unlocking the growth potential uh, for a great company. Um, mm -hmm. I I feel great responsibility that we're curators of a great legacy here, Peter. And it was a fantastic ship that was handed to us by our predecessors. My job is to exponentially make it better and then hand it off and have the next person kind of take it to the to newer levels. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're in this midst of this change to cloud and you know, these amazing set of new capabilities that are coming out uh, that we can talk about later, but uh, uh, you know, from a future perspective. But I feel like that old IT mindset, that old project mindset won't cut it. So, so you, you kind of got to rebrand yourself. And uh, I will tell my CIO friends, think about it. It's not easy, but if you, know, if you create that buy-in about, uh, and then you have the metrics and the KPIs that show that you are actually impacting change, you're actually engineering trust, you're actually sculpting change, you're actually helping accelerate growth. Uh, it's it's uh, it becomes a believable uh, thing, and that's that's what we're beginning to see that uh, fruits of that now here at UP. And that resonates so well with uh, your your past point about developing a high performance culture as well. You also briefly mentioned the importance of DE and I in, in developing those high performing cultures. Talk a bit about your own philosophy there, and uh, how you are helping the organization make progress relative to that topic. Listen, so uh, we're like here, um, a very Midwestern company, but uh, we are representative of the area we are in. Uh, but, but you know, it was a change that I personally saw at Walmart as to being that inclusive organization, which brings and respects every skill set that may not look like you, that may not talk like you, but brings the skills that actually exponentially change the company. And create an environment in which people feel comfortable uh, is, you know, produced great results. And uh, we're beginning to see that here at, at UP. Uh, you know, uh, my boss has done probably the most amazing job of creating, like, the direct report structure. If I compare a picture of today's leadership team here at UP versus uh, what would have been in the past, uh, it looks very different. And, and, and people are valued for what they bring. Uh, to the table. I'm an exception, a non-railroader brought in to run a technology at railroad. This doesn't happen in an insular industry like railroad. So so the way I've been treated here felt like my thoughts count. I'm listened to uh, past experiences. How do we move the company forward? It's a great manifestation of the change uh, that we're seeing in the world in general and, and in UP in particular. Uh, around that. So, so we're trying to create that culture. Uh, 
my personal philosophy is also, um, and I'm not ashamed to say this, that you know we need to be more consciously uh, promoting women um, and uh, make sure that uh, there's there's representation uh, that's consistent with uh, you know the skill sets, and and sometimes we discount uh, that in 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 general life, but but we need to look past that. As I've done that on my own team, as on my direct report, the results are staggering because now the organization is beginning to see, wow, uh, didn't know this uh, was possible, but uh, but really, really good uh, results that we're beginning to see. But more to more, a lot more to happen on that. We in society, as society, as country, or as as a company, are far from where we need to be. Uh, railroads, uh, you know, uh, are not very attractive place, for example, for women because you know the, the, how our operations work. So, so we made some ambitious ESG goals, uh, Peter, as a company, uh, to double the number of women that we have uh, working, uh, which in a, in the field and in the operations, etc. So, uh, I feel really good about uh, the the absolute positions we've taken on uh, this this topic of DNI and ESG in particular. That's great. Well, th- thank you for that overview. I-, I wanted to talk to you a bit about trends. You've mentioned a few of them that excite you in brief, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about, perhaps with a little bit more detail, what excites you as you look to the future? What trends you anticipate uh, riding or investing in uh, in the-, the next couple of years? Yeah, so as, as um, we're not a digitally native company, as you alluded to earlier, right? Uh, we are uh, um, you know, stuff that's new at UP is world class, and stuff that's old at UP is old <laughs> so we have to t- t- deal with the whole gamut of it i feel like the job of cio needs to first and foremost start with keeping the company safe so cyber security usually takes a um, a lot of uh, you know I-, I worry about that stuff uh, keeps me up at night that you know uh, we need to keep the company safe but yet as we're going through these transitions these building these beautiful platforms and with with uh, you know signing deals with Salesforce and SAP and others, right? Really creating the first trend that I'm seeing is this around the cybersecurity mesh, right? How do we create this flexible, composable architecture that integrates widely uh, and disparate uh, security services? These 32,000 miles of track and all the IoT devices that we have. So my CISO, I know, Rick, really thinks hard about how to create this best of breed standalone security solutions to work together and and uh, what's that going to be? So so I foresee cybersecurity mesh uh, and continued work on the tools, etc., um, as uh, as a trend that we won't seize uh, anytime soon. The second is around um, data. We got petabytes of it, petabytes of it, petabytes of it. Uh, so how do you actually now uh, take this data? Uh, provide more flexible, resilient integration of data sources across platforms, business users, so that you know um, you can make it available everywhere, irrespective of where exactly it lives. Why? Because we need decision intelligence out of it. We need to enhance human decision making, potentially automated through use of like automated analytics, simulations, AI. To the so what of that improve uh, the customer experience. The third trend, uh, Peter, what we're really seeing is around um, this whole concept of cloud-native platforms. Um, so, so instead of you know doing lift and lifts and shifts, which you know initially we are that's what we're doing is to get uh, our feet wet um, on this. 
but we're also now fast and furious looking at like what are the cloud native uh, platforms technologies that we need to build architectures um, that are resilient, elastic, and agile uh, to begin with. So, so that's a that's a big trend. Um, I see uh, the fifth trend really I see around is around total experience. So um, you've got to, it's not just about customer; it's about employee. It's about all of the experiences, um, user experience, multi experience, multiple touch points, accelerated growth. So, so, so this whole notion of totality of the experience is going to be a trend that doesn't go away, uh, because uh, realistically, your best experience today is your common minimum experience tomorrow. If you get a package from Amazon and you know you order it today and you get it back tomorrow, when two days if it comes two days later, it feels like a bad experience, right? And yet five years back, that would have been great. So your common minimum experience today is the minimum experience you expect tomorrow. So 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 this around user experience, total experience is going to be a key trend. So I, that, those those are the five I see uh, today that that the CIOs need to pay a lot of attention to. That's great. And representative of, again, this expansive point of view you have as a technology leader uh, within UP. I appreciate you providing an overview of each. Uh, Rahul, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you a uh, about to reflect a little bit about on your career and the the secrets to your success, some of the key uh, choices that you made, people you met. Um, I, I'm curious, you know, especially as you might uh, frame your comments for the benefit of somebody who might be earlier in their career but wish to follow in your footsteps in in one way, shape, or form. What have been some of the difference makers as you think about your pathway to uh, to the upper levels of an executive team at such a large and meaningful company as UP? Yeah, so you know, uh, I didn't grow up in this country, so there was a whole nuance of uh, freedom of learning the culture and and you know being comfortable in uh, in in so many ways about learning the culture, the sports, and all that stuff. So it was a lot of hard work, um, you know, as I kind of came up the ranks. But I would say primarily having a set of um, mentors that help and make you realize that you you have to set up impossible goals for yourself like absolutely impossible goals and then have these mentors really parse it down for you because impossible is an interesting word right one apostrophe and it says i am possible and 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 i was fortunate enough to have these mentors that would say you can go do that like how how I'm not even capable of that. And then they would guide me through it. And those were the apostrophes that became impossible. One of the things that my one of my early mentors uh, taught me is keep your yes speech ready, right? So, so once you kind of become uh, a person that can get these impossible things done, they'll put you onto the next one. So keep your yes speech ready. And 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 have uh, have an ability to to kind of dive yourself into because you're going to learn a lot from those assignments because they're going to put you on the difficult ones. Um, and and let me tell you that always uh, worked for me. And then the third thing that I've always done, Peter, is work myself out of the job. So hire people that are smarter than you, create a high performance culture, have a talent strategy that replicates that. And then work yourself out of the job. Give it to somebody else, and then let the organization figure out. Like we got to still keep this guy. So, so what's he going to do? 
so you kind of, uh, you know, sometimes take a lateral move. Lots of times I took lateral moves to go learn a different line of business. And a lot of times that actually ended up being the next big promo out there. So it's worked out quite well. Clearly it has, Rahul. Thank you for, for sharing that. I think great insights and so uh, so pithily uh, offered as well. I, I like the, the the get your yes speech ready and uh, and and finding great mentors. That that uh, the the key ingredient that is people who will take an interest in your career, but uh, but then also doing great work in the job that you're given. Uh, in addition to putting yourself out of a job, I, great advice all the way around. Well, Rahul Jalali, thank you so much for taking time to speak with me today on Technovation. It's been great to, to learn more about your experience across your career, but obviously with the specifics of your current post as CIO at Union Pacific, the remarkable things that you and the team are doing, the, the remarkable transformation that the organization is in the throes of as well. I certainly appreciate you taking time and sharing a bit of your perspectives. It's been a wonderful conversation. It's been absolutely wonderful, Peter. Thank you very much.